When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development is a rising engineering design and project management company located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Co-owners Eddie Kalnemtua and Stanford Lake started the company to bring economic-related projects to rural communities like the villages of the Hopi tribe. Some of the important work done by Terraform with the Hopi tribe are Dawa Ovi Master Plan, KUII Radio Station Site Plan, Hopi Tribal Housing Authority Residential Homes, and numerous other nonprofit types projects on the Hopi Tribe. Terraform can be reached at 928-864-5022 or visit their website at www.terraforum.com. That's T-E-R-R-A, the number 4, O-R-M.com. Also sponsored by 4X Studio is a Phoenix-based design and print communications company that specializes in brand messaging, marketing communications, and creative services for small businesses, nonprofits, tribal gaming, American Indian, and corporate clients nationwide. Their professional services include integrated brand systems, strategic design, identity illustration, print, ad campaign, assist management, packaging, and event design. Forex Studio is an American Indian owned and operated by Sean Kwani. For more information, visit forexstudio.com. That's the number four, xstudio.com. Morning and welcome to Carl and J Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend J Man. Greetings, this is the five star five diamond chef with the Prince of No Air, Carlton Banks. <laughs> I wanted to do my impression of you, Carl. So every time I do my introduction, I always notice that you uh, give a second introduction as well. I give the best introductions right now. <laughs> so many of you listeners are probably wondering uh, why J-Man sounds a little weird. Uh, that's because he's not here in the studio right now. I, I, I don't sound weird, Carl. I sound like a man. <laughs> uh, he's actually talking through uh, a kid's phone right now. So it's like one of those um, Fisher-Price phones. So that's the reason why he sounds like that. It's one of those Blackberries from back in the day. <laughs> so, so, so today we're not in our home at uh, Peace Academy Studios, but rather we're uh, both recording from different places. Yeah, home. yeah. actually, I am recording from home and J-Man is actually recording from uh, Phoenix, I believe. Uh, from the heart of Sun Devil Territory. <laughs> uh, the U of A got an ass whipping of their lifetime. They all went back. Go back south. That I think they're all in Mexico right now. Um, let's just uh, let's just cool it for that that section. Nobody really cares <laughs> right now. So. <laughs> so, 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 
so if you're a wildcat fan, if you're a guy that lives under a rock like Carl, I want to be uh, a little, I'm going to be glowing today, glowing with uh, maroon and gold. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't really care for ASU or wildcat. So uh, just as long as, uh, you know, uh, what, what is it? What's the, um, uh, the community colleges uh, have make the playoffs or something. So. Yeah, I don't think that they have territorial cups for Quidditch teams, Carl. So <laughs> I, I quite understand why you don't have any interest in uh, some of the more popular things well, that a lot of us pay attention to. <laughs> so, so today is a it's going to be a quick and short um, episode here. And that's because, you know, we, we're not in the studio and we're not, famili- we're not in familiar territory, although you are in familiar territory. Uh, it's just that, you know, we're, we're not in the studio. So we're just going to make it quick and short and easy for you listeners out there. And so today's a groundbreaking episode of the fact that, you know, this is, this is the first episode, right, Carl, that we're recording outside of the studio. And so it's going to be a little bit different today, you know, because normally I'm able to, uh, Carl and I are usually sitting uh, right across the desk from one another. I can read his facial cues. I can see when he's about to fall asleep. I can see when his brain sits real hard about trying to articulate on some of the topics that we talked about. So this one's going to be a little bit different because I, I can't see what his face looks like right now. And uh, to give him some of those cues that I normally do to uh, make sure he does his job. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not in there, you know, whacking uh, J Man in the head because uh, he's going off topic. So that's that's he one. He wishes he could whack me in the head. <laughs> so that those are just ones. Those are just several things that we that I miss if being in the studio right now. So, <laughs> but uh, Carl, before we go on to our our main topic of the podcast today, just like to do uh, some shout out shout out to the entire Carl and J-Man fan nation. We announced it on our social medias over the weekend, but our very first two episodes, uh, Growing Up Red, part one and part two, both uh, have been downloaded over 1,000 times each. I think that's pretty remarkable, considering yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're a little uh, dirty Red podcast that way out in Hopi, and so you know, I'd like to thank you all that took the time to listen to, that, to those two episodes in particular, and if you haven't, gotten a chance to listen to those episodes yet if you're joining us if you're a new listener for the very first time that you can find those episodes on uh, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts yeah so thank you for that listeners you know uh for all your support out there and i really appreciate that so thank you again listeners for making that happen for us and without you, you know, Carl and J-Man podcast show wouldn't be here today. Uh, contributed to us, whether that be or giving us a five-star review, giving us a sponsorship or some donations. I think that that's really where, um, where, where we've really been aided by you all. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again. So today's topic, today's topic is going to be uh, revolving around different stories, right? Yeah, yeah. And so right now it's the winter time. I think that in most Hopi, uh, well, out here in Hopi, that really it's this time where we hear a lot of different stories that they call, uh, 
Yeah, so duty is is going to be the topic of it. And although, you know, we we're not going to be telling the traditional stories like, you know, the coyote and the bluebird or uh the the turtle and the coyote or something, uh but we're going to be talking about different uh things that that happen in the community uh that that revolves around those different stories. We're not going to cover some of those more traditional stories that you hear, but also, you know, just uh, I guess to give uh, some some uh, context to some of the listeners who might not be familiar. But during this time, it is where a lot of Hopis are at least traditionally, you know, maybe you know, way back when more so than now, that the elders' uh, families would kind of be teaching these stories to the younger members of the family. And I think really because of this time of year where we did mention in our last uh, episode that it is Yamaya during this time of period where most folks are staying indoors and especially at nighttime to where, you know, there's uh, kind of kind of a lot of things going bump in the night and so you stay inside and to spend some of that time. That's uh, kind of how uh, we pass the time is uh, reciting of some of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. And that is true. That is very, very true. So, um, you know, Hopis believe that this is the, the earth is thin during this month, during Gamuya. And so when we do that, we, we respect the, the moon, we respect this time because of what, what happens outside. So, um, thank you. Thank you for, you know, for sharing that with us. And it, it's very, th- I'm thanking So and Kwa for teaching me about the respecting of, uh, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also, too, it's like a lot of these stories that were told, at least the traditional stories, you know, that there's always some sort of underlying message behind it, some sort of um, point of light to be educated about through these stories. And a lot of them are kind of about mythical creatures. Some of them are historical uh, accounts of our peoples and some of the deities and some of the spirits that we've come across and have had dealings with. And so basically that's kind of, you know, what a lot of these stories are. And so uh, if you've ever gotten to listen to them in the traditional ways that, you know, it's such an experience. And, uh, but I believe that there are literature out there now with some of the traditional Hopi stories and books that you can find at your local bookman's or online at Amazon. Yeah, so there are uh, there is a one book that is very very popular among uh, storytellers. It's called Coyote Stories. I don't know the, who the author is, but if you go to Amazon and just say Hopi Coyote Stories, you'll find it on Amazon. I think it's like thirteen dollars for a book. So uh, if you want to get a good read, go to Amazon.com and uh, search Hopi Coyote Stories. Yes. And so today we're not really going to be talking about those stories in particular, but I think what Carl and I really wanted to do was we wanted to go back and visit some of our old episodes and, you know, kind of some of the highlighted points that a lot of the listeners were really excited to hear about or really interested in that we want to take out some of those uh, comments that we made in some of the episodes that we've had and kind of give a more detailed version of what those stories are. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, sit back and relax, and we're going to go ahead and uh, give you some of the insights of our past episodes and sort of just uh, reiterate uh, what we said in the past episodes. And so Carl has been brave enough to go back to his college years when he went to Christie's for the very first time 
and we're going to get a more detailed account of his visit to Christie's Cabaret. <laughs> so Christie's Cabaret, that was in episode, um, uh, what, what episode was that on? I, I think it was one of our uh, going to college episodes. Oh, okay. All right. I th- yeah, some some like that. So Christie's Cabaret. So every every Hopi guy probably knows what Christie's Cabaret is, and I'm no no stranger to that. I know many of you are probably wondering, like, wow, you know, Carl has actually been to a strip club and. You know, it was weird going to there and it was during my 21st birthday. And I, and and when I was doing that, I was living in Tempe and strangely enough, I was only five blocks away from Christie's when I was living, when I was living there. And it was only five blocks up. uh, I think that was on, what what was that? Baseline. So Baseline was one of the, uh, uh, not the, the, not the hotels, but the, um, Apartment the complex, the, <laughs> the apartment complexes. Yeah. And so, you know what? My roommate, he said, I have to make sure that you go, you, you go to a strip club on your 21st birthday and being me as a, as a, you know, a country boy coming from the reservation. I didn't know. I didn't want to go. I didn't, for, for some reason, I just said, okay. Yeah. I, I seen, I seen the movie strip tease. Okay, I, I know what that's like, so I don't need to see it in real life. But then he said he insisted on that I go with him. And so I said, okay, all right, let's go. So when we got to Christie's Cabaret on Baseline, he, he immediately told me, okay, turn off your cell phone. And I'm like, why? He's like, trust me, it's your birthday right now. People are going to wanting to call you. And so you don't want any distractions in when we're in there. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right. Okay. I'll turn on my cell phone. So I turn on my cell phone. And so we go inside and it was weird. I felt like, you know, anxious. I felt like an anxiety attack coming on because it was weird. You know, I was like, this is, this is something that Hopi shouldn't be doing right now. You know, this is something that... uh, (laughs) This is this is something that is going against my religion, you know, going against Hopi religion, and so. So, so you didn't get a, a, a warm feeling in the bottom of your pants. No, there was no warm feelings there. There were no warm feelings anywhere just yet. So then we, so then uh, we go in, and there's this beautiful girl. She was in the foyer of the of the the, the strip club there, and so she she immediately took down our names, and uh, she said, "Okay, well, give me your IDs and." You know, my roommate, he said that, hey, this guy, it's his 21st birthday. Is there a special going on? And she's like, no, there's no special going on. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> and so um, so then she said, "There's a there, there is actually a drink. You have to buy a drink in order to sit at the tables. And I'm like, okay, uh, I, I th- I'm old enough to buy a drink. So... So I, I, um, uh, I, I, I ordered, I, I don't know what I ordered, but there was, there was, you had to order a drink. I don't know what I ordered, but I, you had to order a drink. And so we sit down, we sit down and we're sitting in the back and they told us to not sit up a front. Uh, this one guy, I, uh, this bouncer guy, he said, okay, don't sit up in the front unless you're going to pay. And I'm like, going to pay what? 
And he said, oh, okay. Oh, the, oh, pay the strippers. Oh, okay. So there, I, I, I clearly remember, well, I, I know that there were about three stages. There are three stages uh, that were, that these girls dancing on. And we were, we were sitting right by the door, kind of like. And I saw that, because it was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday night. And I don't, I don't believe it was their best show on Tuesday nights. I'm pretty sure that they were saving. I'm pretty sure that they were saving the best girls on the weekends. But my birthday was on. (laughs) This was more like the F squad, sort of like, you know. (laughs) So we we walk in, we walk in, and immediately there was a musky smell. It was the smells of it were just really rank, you know. And it's like this smells weird in here. It smells like cocoa butter and mixture of cocoa butter and sweat with a little bit of strawberry perfume mixed in and it was weird and <laughs> and the the floors it felt like the floors were were like springy or something and and uh maybe because um you know there was a lot of sweat going on on the floors i don't know i don't know what was going on but we we sat down and there was this nice girl that in a like a bunny costume like you know the the playboy bunny costume so yeah, she, yeah. she comes up and she takes our order. And so I, I don't know what I ordered and he ordered some different. And so we're there waiting for our drinks. And then finally, one of the girls comes out from the, from behind, uh, like these little walls. And so the, the music starts and we're like, okay, get ready, get ready now. And we're, uh, the guy, you know, my roommates are all up in arms and he's like, all right, you're going to see some action. And I'm like, all right, he was, cool. all pumped up. he was all pumped up. And I was scared. I was like, Is, am I supposed to be seeing these kind of things like this? Because, you know, <laughs> I, I'm hopey, you know, so I won't, so I won't approve of them, you know, oh my God. You know? So I, I clearly remember one girl, she was wearing um, the, the camouflage. She was wearing the camouflage. And she was wearing the camouflage bikini. And so I said, okay, okay, cool. She's, you know, she's dancing and uh, you could clearly see the scars on her. And, you know, she was, she was probably like, you know, their, their uh, seat warmer or the bench warmer girl, you know. And so, and so we immediately. So I was like, man, they probably made a special request for Carl on his birthday. The, the bench warmers, you know, the bench warmer girls. So, um, so they, she she started dancing and stuff like that. And she started to take off her clothes and everything. And it was, it was weird. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not doing anything for me. This is nothing like strip tease here. You know, where's <laughs> This is not Demi Moore style. This is not. This is nothing like that. And you know, my roommate. He, my roommate was there. You know, he was dancing. He was having a good time. He was like, you know, forget the scars, man. Forget the scars. And he's like, and I'm like, that girl is not pretty at all. He's like, and you know, I seen the other thing that I seen was this one guy, and he, you know, he's clearly had been there every single day. I'm pretty sure he has been there every single day. And he was wearing gray sweatpants and everything. And he's wearing a trench coat and he was all sweaty. And, uh, you know, he was throwing money at her and he was weird. And it was, it was like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I pictured as going to a strip club. And so, and he's like, okay, so, so he asked the waitress, 
um, how much is it to go back into one of the private rooms? And so the waitress said that it's about $150 per hour. And I'm like, I don't even make that much. So on Quan, don't, don't give me that much allowance, you know? And so uh, it was weird. And so we said, we're not going to do that. We'll just watch. So we watched a couple of girls and that was about it. And when we went out, uh, when we get, when we got out of the, the strip club, it was weird. And he's like, oh yeah, I, you know, it felt really weird too. Cause I've been down here on a Saturday and it was rocking and today was not today, you know, today was not the best day. And he was like, I'm sorry, man, we, we got to come back again. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It was a good birthday anyway. So when we got out of the strip club, I turned on my phone and I had 15 missed calls. And guess who it was from? It was, it was from Seoul and Kwa'a. And so they were wanting to uh, wish me a happy birthday. And so, <laughs> and so Seoul immediately tried to call me 15 times. And so I, I immediately called her back in the parking lot. And she's like, she immediately asks me, um, where have, where, you know, where, how, how, where have you been? I was trying to call you. And I had to, it's like, oh man, I got to think of a, an excuse right now. Um, you know, I can't tell her that I was in a strip club. Uh, I was at the Waffle House, so you know, I was I was at Waffle House, and we we don't get we don't get good reception over there. So, uh, you know, uh, sorry I missed your call. So she's like, "Well, happy birthday!" And I'm like, "Yeah, it was a it was an okay birthday. It was it was bench warmer style." So <laughs> it was bench warmer Tuesday. <laughs> bench warmer Tuesday. But anyway, that was well, the that- yeah that was the extent of my uh, my strip club uh, experience. <laughs> well, that explains a lot, Carl. Now I kind of get, get got a good idea of why it is that you're the way that you are. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's it's nothing. You know, I respect women, and I respect the, you know, I respect so and qua, and so it was like that upbringing that kind of stopped me. I wasn't, I wasn't like the jerk kind of deal or anything like that. You, you weren't like the rest of us guys, huh? No, 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 I wasn't a dog or anything. So that was one thing that <laughs> that was one thing that kind of uh, held me back. So that, that, that's what I wanted to ask you when you said that uh, the, the girl was dancing and it did nothing for you. So I, I guess you weren't, you weren't scared or terrified uh, questioning your sexuality, the fact that you didn't get aroused or something like that. <laughs> well, believe me, it, it you know, it's kind of hard to do that when you're in a, with, with a group of guys and especially with your friend sitting right next to you and uh sweaty Bob in the front with his trench coat on, you know, I think it's, I think it's stage fright by then. So <laughs> you, you never had to perform in public before huh? or, or never had, had that opportunity. No, 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 no. I, I, you know, uh, Demi Moore's strip club, strip tease movie was, was the kicker for me. So she, she, she set a pretty high bar then. Huh? She set the pretty high bar. So. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Carl, for sharing that with our audience. You know, when I thought the idea of, uh, because I, I said the story before you told me the story off air and, you know, just thinking about this theme of food with me and what, what type of stories could you tell? And I thought, I wonder if Carl would be willing to share that. 
that um, that longer version of the story. And, you know, I was actually kind of surprised that you agreed to do it. So thank you, Carl, for that. <laughs> You're most welcome. And it, it, you know, it, it's just something that you don't see every day. And I'm pretty sure that Hopi men or Hopi boys that don't get to experience anything like that. So that was just one thing that, that I experienced and from a Hopi perspective view. So. Awesome. Awesome. And so I, I guess it's uh, my turn to, to jump into the, um, into the storytelling chair. And then uh, also Carl, I wanted to tell you that before you started talking about uh, Christy, you forgot to say, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, that goes with every, <laughs> every storytelling. <laughs> I'm going to make that into a shirt. So <laughs> strong ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel. Strong ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at strongones15. Oh, well, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that I think a lot of people who, who know me fairly well, um, that what, what they're quite interested about in some of my experiences is I do share a lot about um, one particular experience that I've had in college, and that was joining a fraternity. And so if you know me, that you know that I'm a part of a fraternity, which I guess the concept of the fraternity is kind of pretty, pretty foreign to whole community, you say, Carl? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Because I think that, you know, when we think about fraternities and sororities, when we talk about Greek life, I think that for most folks, that it's uh, pretty stereo, uh, stereotyped in a lot of the movies. So you think about movies like Old School, or Animal House, or some of these, you know, other movies that kind of show um, the fraternities and sororities as, you know, these party people in college having these wild parties, and, you know, kind of just having these uh, kind of kind of weird weird practices, I guess you could say, yeah. of some of the things things that we do. And so when I when I was attending Arizona State University in my uh, college years during my undergrad that I was approached with an opportunity to join a fraternity. And that's something that I chose to do. And so it was a, a real interesting experience. And, you know, uh, being being a Reds kid from the Reds, not knowing a whole lot about Greek life and not truly understanding what a fraternity or sorority is. And, you know, just, you know, for, for some information for the listeners, that fraternity is uh, the Greek organization for the guys. Uh-huh. And the sorority is the Greek organization for, for the girls. And so oftentimes you hear people coming up to me like, you're in the sorority, right? Like, no, I'm not in the sorority. <laughs> I'm in the fraternity. And, you know, so there's kind of one of the, the differentiating terms. And so, uh, but when I, I, I guess there, cause when, I, when I first went to college that you know, I kind of had no desire to, to join a fraternity, I kind of, I like everybody else, just kind of, knew what I learned from the movies. That that's kind of what Greek life was. And then one of my uh, best friends, um, he went to ASU probably about two years ahead of I, uh, ahead of by the time that I got there. 
and then he ended up joining the fraternity. Yeah. And I kind of remember my response to him telling me that he joined the fraternity. I was kind of laughing. I was like, you joined the fraternity? And I kind of like how everybody else's response is to, to me. Like every time I tell them that I'm in a fraternity, it's like, you know, what do you guys do? Do you guys slap each other in the ass with the paddles? Or you know, like, have these wild parties? Or, you know, kind of all that, all that, um, all of that stuff that we think that we know about Greek life. Yeah. And so he joined his fraternity, and then um, by the time I got to ASD, I don't think that, you know, I was just mostly focused on my, my schooling, on my coursework, and my education. So I didn't even really, like, pay attention to any other, of the other organizations that were available to, to, to join, because at that time, I was working full-time. I was going to school full-time, so I really felt that I didn't have the time to add additional additional uh, um, to be a part of another organization to, to um, add to all of the other stuff that I had to do so I kind of passed on it. But I, I did meet one person in particular and I'd like to give him a shout out. Uh, I met uh, my good buddy his name is Darius Eno. He's actually a native person. He's from the uh, Kila River Indians out here in the valley. And so I met him through uh, one of my programs, one of my classes that I was taking. And so he was the one that was kind of calling me about fraternities and sorority because uh-huh. me and a couple of other friends decided that they were gonna um they were gonna bring a new fraternity to ASU and so he was kind of you know talking to me about it and see if I was interested and you know I kind of really didn't really um have any interest in it because you know I felt like that it was gonna be additional um time commitment, time commitments that I didn't think that I really had so I kind of declined on it. Yeah. And so he went off and, you know, did, did the whole thing. And the next thing you know, you know, they brought this new fraternity to ASU. And so, you know, he kept, then he kept uh, talking to me about it because they went and did it. They brought this brand new fraternity to ASU. Um, and so uh, he kind of like introduced me to the fraternity brothers and wanted to see uh, how I would get along with them. And so, you know, I met them and they're really cool. They're pretty cool dudes. You know, they were, um, kind of like real, real goofy, I guess, in a way, because then, you know, you think about how we are on the reservation, that a lot of us are real introverts, or that, you know, we're real kind of within this, uh, in our, in our own comfort zone. Yeah. And we don't really, really kind of, um, express ourselves kind of, um, I, I guess, uh, in a more expressive way, but these guys like, and so I think that that's kind of what really, I, I guess, uh, what I found really admirable is the fact that, you know, they were really expressive and you know, I guess to kind of, you know, kind of be stereotypical, you know, you, you watch like some of these uh, black movies, you know, some of the, the black guys are kind of loud and, and really talkative, but you know, that's how they were, but you know, it was so different for me. It was so different for me because then, you know, growing up uh, on the reservation for a majority of my younger life to, to just being around native and to just being within that native cultural norms that you know we're i guess we're not necessarily really like that where we're loud and you know talkative in, in that manner and then um to being put into that type of um into that type of position so it was different to me and i, I actually enjoyed it <laughs> i enjoyed it so then i decided that you know I'll, you know i'm gonna give it a try and join the fraternity yeah and so and so you know they're they're real happy to hear it but then you know then they kind of had this side conversation with me and then so, and I, I think this is where it kind of goes back to that stereotypical knowledge of what Greek life is, is that you know that there's a pledging process, so I had to pledge 
yeah. had to go through this process. It's just so funny because I mean, like you see it on media everywhere. It's like you see it on movies or you see it on TV shows where you know they're they're depicting what uh, what pledging is like for 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 Greek life. And so you think about some of these movies to where you know people are getting slapped on the ass with a paddle or. I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember the old Saved by the Bell show, but there was this uh, Saved by the Bell, the college series <laughs> that they had. And, you know, they had to go through that whole process because they were trying to get into a fraternity team. You know, just everywhere, you know, you see it everywhere. But I guess, you know, and, and I guess that's really the thing with the particular fraternity that I joined. And I think the thing that I really liked about it was that the whole pledging process and what we went through that a lot of that actually had a lot of uh, commonalities with how Hopi is. Because then you think about Hopi and you think about like some of our, um, our uh, societies, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Some, of the, some of these societies, when you want to go into like Wilson or to Soyalan or into the Bolomwe society, that there's a, a quote unquote pledging process that you have to go through as well, that you have to endure certain things. And I guess in a way, that's your way of earning the knowledge of what that society holds. And then once you complete that, uh, that, that, that Wainkia process, I guess, of being Wainkia into those societies, then you truly earn the knowledge that those societies hold. And then you truly earn the title of being a part of that, um, a part of that uh, society, of that group, yeah, that's of that society. Yeah. And so, so this particular fraternity that I I, I joined and see like that, like you don't even really say joint. And this fraternity that I crossed into had similar perspectives of what it meant for their pledging process. Like their pledging process was secret. And so everything that we did within that pledging process, we weren't allowed to tell anybody. And so at ASU, that there's kind of uh, a number of fraternity and sororities, and that some of these fraternity and sororities kind of belong into these subgroups, almost like a clanship, like how our clan, like uh, I, I'm corn clan, for example, but I'm a part of this subgroup to where the other clans, the water clan, and um, I think that cloud clan is one of them too, maybe a few others. But in the in the sorority fraternity life at ASU, you had the the large group that was called the ISC, which was I guess the stereotypical fraternities that you saw on TV, the the, the white boy fraternity. If I can turn off my PC button for a bit, but that's kind of what it was. And so they were kind of the representation of what you saw in TV, these wild parties, um, and all of this other crazy stuff that you see. But the group that we belong to, we were uh, belong to this group called MCG, the Multicultural Greek Organization. Uh-huh. And so within our subgroup of this MCG, there were other fraternity sororities that were also um, multicultural, meaning that you know they they kind of accepted other people outside of a particular culture, but they actually had other groups that were kind of mostly focused on a particular culture, but they were always accepting of other people, even if you weren't from that culture. But um, the the Black African um, Greek organizations was one that particularly 
focused on the African community, and it was in those Greek, the black, the black Greek organizations, the fraternities and sororities. That's where you would see things like uh, the movie Jumpline. Do you remember the movie Jumpline? Yeah. Where, yeah. Uh, where, where that girl was in that sorority, and then they start doing their second. Yeah. In, um, yeah. in a scene in the movie. And so that's what that organization is, or that's what those organizations, that was a part of kind of what they uh, focused on. And um, then they had one too that was specific for um, Latino Americans. And so, but it was really neat though, because then like that, you think about some of these things that we did as, as a Greek organization that you never really got a chance to see out on the reservation. And so if you go on YouTube listeners, and if you uh, Google search um, strolling, strolling is something that we did and that was kind of similar to that, to, to Jumpline or to, uh, there was another movie too that had to do with uh, Stomp the Yard. Uh-huh. Stomp the Yard. And so that was, yeah. that was something that yeah. was kind of uh, uh, compared it to. But then, you know, when I, when I did make this decision to go into the fraternity that, you know, the pledging process was secret, and that we did learn information about the particular organization that the organization saw as being secret to, that it was knowledge that was only privy to uh, brothers uh-huh. uh, who, who went and crossed through, through the organization. And so, um, so, you know, I went through the process. I, I crossed, which is the term for, for completing the process, I crossed. And so, you know, lo and behold, you know, spring of 2011, I became a full-fledged brother of uh, Epsilon Sigma Rho, Multicultural Fraternity Incorporated, you know, it's like a big shout out to all my brothers, to all my ES Road brothers worldwide, the Road Dogs, something that I'm very proud of. And so uh, basically, you know, that, that's kind of my story. But it's, it's I guess the, the cool thing about it, though, that I really like the fact is that when you do go Greek, that you meet so many people, so many people that you probably wouldn't have met on either side. Because not only do you get real familiar with the people that are in your organization, that you get familiar with other people in other Greek organizations, and then you get to learn about them, learn about who they are. And like that, you know, if you're a young person right now listening to the podcast about to go into college, you know, I would highly suggest, you know, at least looking into going Greek because, man, you're meet all kinds of people and, man. It, it, it was such a good experience. And like that, I got to stroll. I learned how to stroll. I learned how to step. And so I, I really got to learn how to stomp the yard. <laughs> well, you know, I, I never been to, um, you know, a fraternity or any, any of those parties before. Although we were invited once before at ASU. Oh, one yeah. of the Yeah, we were, we were invited once from the college that I was at. We were invited from there. And, uh, uh, but, it, you know, the parties out there, they start at around like, what, 11, 12 o'clock, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, and you know, and then. I was already in my uh, my footy pajamas and watching uh, watching Disney Aladdin on our on our TV. <laughs> <laughs> this was before the uh, Disney Plus app. This is this was before Disney Plus app. This was before, uh, you know, anything like that. So uh, Netflix only had uh, the DVDs to rent. <laughs> oh man but you know I, I guess the cool thing though is that like I mentioned before is that there's uh, some of these Greek organizations that are specific to a particular culture they even have natives they had a native sorority and a native fraternity so shout out to uh, the sisters of uh, Alpha Pi Omega and to the brothers of uh, Phi Sigma Mu 
Well, that's great. I, you know, shout out to them as well, too. Congratulations on, uh, on becoming one of the fraternity brothers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so, it, so, so that's my story on that. But I think that kind of one of the other topics that Carl and I wanted to cover on, on this uh, podcast is, uh, is uh, kind of our stories related to what's been going on with the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the pandemic part of it, it's it's crazy. I mean, there are a lot of people that are getting sick on the Hopi Reservation, but the reality about it is that they're not showing who gotten well from the pandemic or from this COVID. So that's that's one thing. I think it's just more of a scare tactic and it's doing there. It's doing a good job about it. But when you when you want real numbers you know, you, you want to, you want to see how many people recovered from this uh, COVID. You want to have some sort of like a good, good feeling with this, this sickness here, because right now everybody's all in a slump and everybody's all in this, this gray spot. So we're, we're just trying to live day by day and how, how this COVID is working right now. So, so when this whole pandemic started, Carl, did you ever get into a position where you're almost out of toilet paper? <laughs> uh, actually, yes, yes, I was in that position. See, before the COVID, before the pandemic hit, I used to be, um, I used to have a subscription with with uh, this company called Who Gives a Crap, and it's a toilet paper company. <laughs> called who gives a crap so if you want good quality toilet paper go to whogivesacrap.com and it's not sponsored by who gives a crap so uh go to them and you know we had a a three-month uh subscription so every three months they would send us a box of toilet paper and we've been getting it like crazy and so so she said hey why don't you just stop that uh that that toilet um for, for from coming for a bit and this was before the pandemic hit and so i said okay well i'll stop it for a bit and we didn't know that you know behind the people or the you know in people in general are going to get crazy and buy all the toilet paper we didn't know about that so when that hit all of our see all of our toilet paper started running out because so would start handing toilet paper out to people who really oh, needed God. it. And I'm like, so don't be doing that. We, I don't have a subscription anymore. I, I, I don't, I can't, <laughs> we can't afford to give away toilet paper. I said, and so she's like, you know, while they, while they needed the most. And so I was like, well, we needed the most too. So, so that was one thing that kind of came out from it is that, yeah, we, we were on the verge of losing a lot of toilet paper during this pandemic. So, so, so you almost have to go back to the old ways and uh, start using the luckily out at the outhouse. Yeah, started using the corn cobs, the uh, sung, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> the rocks. So, so, so you have to go to the cliffs and try to get all that, all those cobs that people were throwing away before. <laughs> yep, yep, that's true. So you know, yeah, had to make your own toilet paper. You know, just ruffle up some. Uh, uh, some newspaper and hope that it's soft. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it, when, I, when I recollect back on those earlier, well, I guess when it really first hit, you know, I, I feel like that 
the community kind of didn't change a whole lot at first because I remember you could still go to the K-Town store and still pick up some toilet paper. And then finally, you know, that whole uh, scare buying finally reached us. And so it was kind of difficult to, to get some of those products, the toilet paper, the paper towels. I think like the wipes and the sanitizing wipes are probably the biggest things that people are going crazy for out here. But, you know, I, I guess it's kind of really interesting. And what, what makes it really interesting is uh, Facebook. <laughs> and it's like, how how would you say that the Hopi people have reacted to COVID based on what you've seen on Facebook? Well, so far, I mean, people are, are kind well now, right now, people are handling it okay. But before when it started, I mean, there were like people going nuts over different things. They were like, you know, oh, the business are going to be closing. You know, they had a Black Friday sale at the Hot Vela store and they're like, oh, business is going to be closing. <laughs> and, you know, the, you know, <laughs> you know, the whole pandemic started happening on Hopi Reservation, even though we were kept kind of secluded and safe in that way. But now that the numbers you see on the Hopi Tetuveni or seen on Facebook are kind of rising. And it is, it is giving us a, a huge scare in that way too, because there, there are people that are sick with this COVID on Hopi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is kind of uh, one of the scary things that's going on. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, there's probably some, um, some stuff to talk about on kind of the, the darker side of what's going on, but definitely I don't think that's something that I would, you or I kind of want to cover. Oh no, that, you no. Know, we, we, we want, we want for, for you all to, to leave and walk away from this podcast with a happy heart and, you know, with with, uh, with blessings to look forward to on the next day. But there's been some, I guess, kind of real goofy stuff going on there as a result of the pandemic, right? And I think that a lot of it is kind of built up around um, the not-so-secret fact that the Hopi tribe was awarded something like $80 million, I think, from the federal government yeah. to... Uh, to, to help them battle battle the pandemic and battle, you know, everything that's come with it. And I think that, you know, what's kind of gotten people really riled up is that these, uh, the hardship checks that everybody's supposed to be getting. And so in regards to that, what are some of the things that you see on social media? Well, besides the, the tribe getting the $80 million and trying to distribute all that money, you know, Hopi hasn't really had huge hardships. I mean, we we have like these food distributions that happen in different villages. And once that happens, I mean, people complain about what they get in these food distributions. You know, they, they don't get, uh, you know, how come how come she got a better looking, uh, you know, can of can of fruit than I do? How come I got a different brand of canned fruit than she does? You know, all of those different things. And we're not appreciative of that because we think that when it's free, we're, we're given something better. We're given something that, uh, you know, that that's top, top of the line kind of deal. So, I mean, it's, it's for us to survive, but yet people don't see it that way. So we think that free means free means better kind of deal. So. <laughs> to go back on your uh, comment that you made during our Thanksgiving episode, when I asked you traditionally, when I have been thankful, and you said that we're never thankful. So. <laughs> I, but I, I mean, I, it's kind of funny with that, like you know, with the distributions that they've been having because they've been having a lot of them out out, out on Hopi. And uh, my mom, like my mom, she goes to every single distribution. I tell her, "Mom, quit going to those distributions, just." You and that living at home, what are you doing with all this food that you're that you're getting from all these distributions? Yeah. And what she 
what she does is she brings it over to our house. She brings it over to my sister. <laughs> and so we've been stockpiled with onions for the whole time that we've been uh, on lockdown. And so I think the Red Famous Wife is, you know, trying to figure out how to make onions 10 ways, and, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to, use them so that they don't go bacon but I think that you know for for some and I, I guess for, for me you know I think about it and it's like well, I'm I'm pretty fortunate because both myself and the Red Famous Life we do have jobs and so you know we, we haven't really been affected in, in that area of our lives and so you know we've continued to be able to have the finances to buy the things that we need to survive our groceries and etc but you know I imagine that there are people out there that probably really do appreciate these food boxes Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There are uh, there are a bunch of people that do appreciate the food boxes, and but you know there are some people that just don't appreciate what's been given to them, thinking that they're entitled to get more than what they that they receive. This paid sponsorship was paid for by Justin Villarreal. Hey, Tom here with Hopi Relief. Hopi Relief is a nonprofit organization based down here in the valley where we are providing much needed supplies to the Hopi Reservation during this COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Please visit HopiRelief.org and find out how you can get involved. Hopi Relief is also an Arizona recognized charitable tax organization. And please visit us December 1st on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs> and, and so those are definitely some tales from the dark side with what's going on with the pandemic. And then I think the other thing, you know, like I mentioned before, that is getting people really riled up is the fact that the tribe has this $80 million. And you see a lot of what people are posting online. I've seen so many posts in regards to the money. I've seen people say things like, the Hopi tribe doesn't care about the people. They're just using this $80 million to get themselves rich. Or, you know, you see these other comments like, why doesn't the tribe? put that money into building new roads and building some of these other things um, to be able to help Hopi. And so I think when I see things like that, you really do understand that, you know, a lot of our people don't truly understand what this process is of getting funding from the government and how that funding is is, uh, supposed to be spent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there are a lot of regulations that have to deal with uh, getting funding from the government, especially when you're, you're dealing with free money that's coming in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that people think like it's a blank check or that, you know, the federal government is backing up this Greeks truck with these large bags with <laughs> dollar signs on it. Like you see from uh, the, 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 the kids' cartoon, cartoon shows. But it really isn't that, that, you know, all of this money that the tribe gets, it has to be used for things that are COVID-related. And so you can't just use it to, let's buy an ice cream truck, you know? I think that we should buy ice cream trucks to help uh, with our economic development during the summertime. Or we should use it to build uh, something like that road or, you know, our electricity if you have to prove that whatever you're purchasing is going to be related towards COVID. And so that's what that $80 million is earmarked for. And so, you know, really with what you see on social media, that a lot of our people don't understand that. And what you also really see, unfortunately, is that our society is very reactive. 
versus being proactive. And so you get a lot of complaints, uh, whether that's about the distributions or whether it's about the hardship checks. You hear a lot of complaints directed towards the tribe. You hear a lot of complaints directed towards uh, different areas. But, you know, for both you and I, you know, we both, we both, with the work that we do without saying what we do, that, you know, we do see that there are efforts from folks that are trying to help the people. Oh, yeah. And providing, the, whether it's the food drive or providing other programming to be able to help with uh, what's going on with the pandemic. <laughs> but I guess, you know, us red people being, you know, the way that we are, that that's kind of what you see. You see a lot of complaining. A lot of anger on social media, and it's just, it's, it's so it's so interesting, it's so crazy to me. Yeah, so you know, like like I said out there, you know, just people who listen to this, please be appreciative of your what whatever is given to you. Uh, make sure that you stay safe. Make sure that you're you're practicing all the CDC guidelines. Try not to get sick. Trying to be uh, proactive in the community. Um, and and just make making sure that you're you're an overall uh, a person that is is helpful to one another. Definitely, and so I think that we're getting close to time, right, Carl? Yeah, yeah. So I think we're we're about that time. So if you want to go ahead and let's get out, let's head out of here. So okay, but real quick before we do that, just want to give another shout out to our super fans. Give a shout out to Michelle Holden. Rachel Reinhardt, Noel Koyahoma, uh, our, boor, our boy Miller Kawaniyama, Joyce Hamilton, and we have a new super fan that I'd like to welcome to the party. A big shout out to uh, Liera Thompson, who just joined uh, our our thirty pack donor level <laughs> contribution to the podcast. Of course, I'd like to shout out to our sponsors again, the Strong Ones, Four X Studios to um, our boy, Justin Villarreal, and to Terraform Development. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you all for supporting the, the podcast here. Yes, it does take money to produce the podcast here. So um, thank you again for for supporting us, the podcast. Yes, this does uh, require money for us to make. Also, there is... Uh, a, a little thing called buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast. If you go there, you can go ahead and just buy us a cup of coffee, which is a dollar, I believe. Buy two cups of coffee, $2, uh, and just support us that way. And if you can't support us that way, you know, go to Spotify, Apple, iTunes, give us a five-star review or give us a five-star rating, and uh, we'll be happy from there. Yes, give us a five-star ratings. And if you don't already follow us on our social media account, you can find us on Facebook at Carl and J-Man, on Instagram at Carl and J-Man underscore podcast, and on Twitter at Carl and J-Man. Well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man's Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long, fuck, fuck.